So there are countless books, as you know, out there that offer wisdom for leaders that run all kinds of different organizations. And I've been a, a fan of the writer Jim Collins for some time. You may know him. And in one of his books, in which he gets into what makes a company great, he describes something called the hedgehog concept. And to understand the idea, Mr. Collins highlights the difference between foxes and hedgehogs. He writes, foxes pursue many ends at the same time and see the world in all of its complexity. And because of this, foxes can be scattered or diffused on many levels, never integrating their thinking into one overall concept or unifying vision. Conversely, he notes, hedgehogs simplify a complex world into one overall concept or unifying vision that guides everything. Said more simply, basically, foxes look for all kinds of ways, in many different ways, in unending ways, to get a hedgehog to gobble up. In contrast, a hedgehog focuses on one simple thing. Rolling up in a spiky ball whenever a fox approaches from whatever angle. Collins goes on to state that great companies are more like hedgehogs than foxes. Great companies have a very simple concept they use to frame everything and use as a frame of reference for all of their decisions. Well, this got me thinking about our faith and how we go about living out our faith in this very complicated world. Do we live more like foxes or hedgehogs? Do we have a concept as followers of Jesus that we can use as a frame of reference for our choices? And actions? Do we make our faith overly complicated like a fox searching for a hedgehog? Or do we keep it simple just like a hedgehog rolling up into a ball? Some of you also may have read the book The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People written by the late Stephen Covey. And in it, seven key principles of approaching life are detailed. One principle or habit is to begin with the end in mind, to begin with the end in mind. And from the Frankly Covey firm, this habit is described in the following way. To begin with the end in mind means to begin each day, task, or project with a clear vision of your desired destination or direction. In other words, we are more effective in all kinds of things when we're clear on where we are headed. The hedgehog principle keeping it simple, beginning with the end in mind or having the destination in view. As I reflected upon this, it seems to me that these ideas have a lot to offer us as we step into this season of Advent. Advent, as it begins today, is actually the beginning of the church year and it ends at the conclusion of Christmas Eve. And the word Advent means coming. And it is a season in which we prepare to celebrate Jesus' first coming to the world with his birth. And it is the time of year in which we particularly focus on anticipating Jesus' second coming. And with regard to Jesus' second coming, Advent is also the time in which we are reminded to focus on hope in our lives. The hope that comes from realizing that one day God's kingdom will be fully present and everything will be as it should be. When Jesus comes again, there will be no more suffering, pain, heartache, and all the things that bring us pain. 
and we will be free from all that is askew in this world. When Jesus comes again and makes everything right, when God's kingdom finally prevails, all of this in many ways is a mystery and much is unknown. And you and I need to ignore and not pay attention to those that say the end of the world is coming today or tomorrow or some other specific time. This is affirmed in our reading today from Matthew's gospel when Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. And frankly, knowing these things will happen, that Jesus will come again, should not ultimately induce terror or fear in us, but rather a joyful anticipation of the new beginnings and new life that will happen when Jesus comes again. Now, while not everyone agrees, I believe Jesus' second coming is great news. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of the suffering that we see in the world. I am overjoyed at the thought that one day everything will be as good as God wants it to be. I anticipate and am overjoyed that as God is love, I can't wait till love is the essence of our existence with nothing to get in the way. I long for such a time as scripture describes when there will be no more tears and the lion will lie down with the lamb. Sign me up. I'm ready for the second coming right now. Advent is a season whose purpose is to get us to focus on all of these things, and as such, it is a season of expectation, preparation, repentance, turning back to God, joy, and a time to get refocused. In fact, I think it is the time of year to get back to being a hedgehog and living with the end in mind when it comes to our faith, which I'll get to in just a moment. There's a great word in Scripture found in one place, one place only. It is in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians near the very end. And that word is Maranatha. Maranatha. Some people think this word means our Lord has come, referring to Jesus' birth. Other people think the word means come, O Lord, referring to Jesus' second coming. Finally, a lot of people think the word carries both meanings. That Maranatha means Christ was born and Christ will come again. I fall into this camp and therefore think that the word Maranatha is a fabulous word to think about during Advent, the time in which we prepare to celebrate Jesus' birth and anticipate his second coming. If indeed Maranatha refers both to Jesus' birth and second coming, it means that you and I, like everybody since Jesus' resurrection, are living right now in in-between times. We are living in between the time Jesus lived among us and when God will make everything right with Jesus' second coming. And so as we live in such in-between times, I have to ask, what are some things for us to keep in mind as we journey in our faith? More specifically, how can we live more simply like a hedgehog and keep the destination of where we are headed in the end right now. You see, I believe when we live each day keeping some things front and center in a simple way, and when we live each day with a sense of anticipation that Jesus will come again and someday all will be well, we will live each day with greater resilience, strength, a sense of purpose, selflessness, and love. And living in such ways will help us endure when we have to deal with 
the widespread brokenness and evil that is in our world. So I've been thinking about all of this. What are some things that can help us during this Maranatha in between times? And as I thought about it this week, three words came to mind to guide us. Those three words are anticipate, celebrate, and elevate. Anticipate, celebrate, and elevate. And then this acronym came to mind, ACE, A-C-E, anticipate, celebrate, and elevate. A great acronym, an easy acronym to remember, anticipate, celebrate, and elevate. Said another way, I've thought that as we proclaim Maranatha as Christians have for centuries, that Christ has come and Christ will come again. Let's think about acing life, if you will. Living each moment with a sense of anticipation, celebration, and elevation. So let's look at these three concepts in turn. Some of you may remember the story of a woman named Florence Chadwick. Any of you remember her? In 1950, she swam across the English Channel. Can you imagine that, swimming across the English Channel? Well, she did it, and just in case anyone questioned her feat and her ability, in 1951, she swam across the English Channel again but this time in the other direction. As an interesting aside, Florence failed to qualify for the 1936 Olympic team. They concluded that she was not made for short distances. <laughs> oh, anyway, Florence was born in the San Diego area of California, which is probably why after she swam the English Channel in both directions, she next set her sights on swimming between Catalina Island and the California coast. In July of 1952, here is what one person wrote about Florence's attempt at that swim in the Pacific. The weather that day was not auspicious. The ocean was icy cold. The fog was so thick that she could hardly see the support boats that followed her, and sharks prowled around her. Several times, her support crew used rifles to drive away the sharks. Her mother and her trainer, who were one of the support boats, encouraged her to keep going. However, after 15 hours and 55 minutes, she felt that she could not go on, and she asked to be taken out of the water. And so she was taken out of the water. What Florence did not know, because the fog was so thick, was that she only had a half mile to go when she got out of the water. And she later said, had she known that her destination was so close, she would have continued. Well, because of this, two months later, she tried again on an equally foggy day, and this time she made it. And she said that the second time she attempted the crossing, she kept the image of the shore in her mind. In other words, she began with the end in mind. And as we live in this in-between Maranatha time, between Jesus' first and second coming, Florence's story the principle of keeping the end in mind can be incredibly helpful to each of us. If we know our destination is God, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we trust that all will be well when it is all said and done, that Jesus will come again, if we embrace the truth that one day everything will be as it should be and ultimately we have nothing to worry about, if we accept that God is love and love will prevail, if we anticipate this, and if we keep such an end in mind, 
I believe we can move through each day with a sense of peace, relief, anticipation, and the hope that Jesus will come again. And we can release so much that we hold on to because we know how the story is going to turn out. All will be well. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But one day, one day, all will be well. And so we can live with this end in mind. We can live like a hedgehog by keeping this unifying simple idea that one day all will be well front and center. And so in the meantime, we can let go of a lot of stuff and live with a sense of joyous anticipation and, in fact, hope. One of my dear friends, Reverend David Jones, has a, had a little sign on his desk that said, perhaps today. Well, that's the A of ACE, and now let's turn to the C, which stands for celebrate. In the midst of all that confronts every one of us in life, health challenges, loss, paying bills, trying to make a living, children struggling with this and that, transitions of all kinds, uncertainty about things or people that are important, and everything else that makes up living, there's a lot for us to celebrate, for sure. Think for a moment about all of our blessings, and not just the big things, but the things we take for granted. Water, food, shelter, air we can breathe. Do we celebrate such things? Do we celebrate people who love us, whom we love? Do we celebrate that we are people who actually care about something and someone? Do we celebrate and give thanks for employment? Do we celebrate that there are great people out there that are passionate about issues and are doing something about them? Do we celebrate smart people out there solving all kinds of problems? Do we celebrate the fact that there are a ton of people out there with great integrity even though they never make the news? Do we celebrate the selfless people in all kinds of positions making a difference? Do we celebrate, do we think about all we have overcome at various points in life? Do we think about and celebrate the times we did not cave in and not only survived but moved on? Do we celebrate the moments we were resilient, the days we got out of bed even though we were faced with a ton of stuff? Do we celebrate the passages through which we persisted? Do we ponder the many things in life that have gone right? How about the fact that you're here right now in worship? How about the fact that people here at the chapel care about you and the fact that you are here? I care. Do you care about the fact that you are adored? Do you celebrate that you are adored and cherished by God just as you are right now? Do we celebrate that we have brains and enable us to feel good things, not just the hard, and that brains and enable us to ask questions, even questions that seem to have no answers? How about celebrating that God's spirit is all around us, within us, and that nothing can separate us from God? Right now in this Maranatha moment between Jesus' birth and second coming, there is much to celebrate. And celebrating is not a denial of what is amiss. It's not a denial of evil that is all over the place. But rather, it's an acceptance of something that is absolutely true in the midst of it all. And that is that there is much that is good and right in the way that it should be. And like a hedgehog, we can keep this simple idea of celebrating all that is good and right, front and center, day in and day out. And finally, aside from anticipating and celebrate, celebrating the E of ace living is elevating. 
What you and I can do now each day is we can choose and we can intentionally elevate ways of living in our own life, in our own lives that reflect a life that is focused on Jesus. In every moment, we can choose to live in response to Jesus instead of living in reaction to all the stuff that confronts us. We can choose to live responsively instead of reactively. And as Paul wrote in our reading today from Romans, each moment we can clothe ourselves in the presence of Jesus. We can elevate Jesus' ways of being. In the New Testament, we have two letters written by Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers. In his first letter, we find a lot about what an elevated life looks like. Here are some excerpts, brief excerpts from the message version of the Bible, which is some of my comments. Here's what Peter writes. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have God. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. And God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when we will have it all, life healed and whole. Here, Peter reinforces the idea that we are living in in between times, that Jesus was born and Jesus will come again. And when Jesus comes again, Peter writes, we will have it all, life healed and whole. A good reminder to live with anticipation for that day. A good reminder to celebrate all that is right in the meantime, including that we have God and God has us, Peter writes. Peter goes on to write, so roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear. Don't slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like. Your life is a journey. Travel with the deep consciousness of God. Love one another as if your lives depended on it. And Peter again reminds us to live with a sense of anticipation. He encourages us not to live for ourselves, but for God. And that when we live for God, we need to love each other as if our lives depended upon it. And we live by loving as loving is how we live an elevated life. Peter continues, so make a clean house, make a sweep of your house. Get rid of envy and hurtful talk. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Exercise your freedom by serving God. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. And Peter writes in essence here that our lives are no accident, that our lives come from God and we are made by God. And as such, Peter states in essence we need to get over ourselves, dispense with our egos, treat people with dignity and love, and work to rid ourselves of hard-heartedness. Peter goes on to write about being agreeable and lovable and compassionate and humble and to avoid sarcasm. And these words, if you go on and read them in Peter's first letter, certainly illustrate and demonstrate and define what elevate means in the acronym of ACE. But one more thing about living an elevated life. Recently I saw the new movie about Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's heartwarming, it's delightful, it's a superb feel-good movie. But as I thought about the film, and more importantly, as 
I've thought about Mr. Rogers. <coughs> the essence of his ministry to children, in my mind, reflects the hard work of what it means to elevate those things that make us more like Jesus. Here are the words from one of Mr. Rogers' well-known songs. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I was, I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you, so let's make, the most let's make the most of this beautiful day. And since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? <coughs> These words are not nostalgic pablum. They should define every nation in this room. They should define the mindset of every leader in this room. These words don't reflect just a, a nice concept. They are not representative of unrealistic mush. These lyrics, if you listen to them, actually go to the heart of the story of the Good Samaritan. These words go to the heart of the countless stories and verses about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. These lyrics are not to be relegated to an off-air children's show. Rather, I believe these words set the standard for every single human being on the planet, regardless of position, status, power, money, no exceptions. These words, however, are not intended to make us feel guilty or less than, but quite the opposite. They are meant to shine a light on what we are to strive for, however imperfectly. Because we are God's beloved, God invites us to treat every single human being as just that, God's beloved. These lyrics get at the essence of Jesus' words that all that matters in the end is his love. Not sometimes, not on some occasion, not with regard to only some people, not for only certain aspects of life. You see, God encourages us and gives us what we need in this Maranatha in between time to elevate being a neighbor and acting like one to everyone. You see, if we commit to Jesus and we take it seriously, again, however imperfectly, it means that neighborliness becomes our key primary priority. And while it is hard, it really is quite simple and be can become a unifying principle that undergirds everything. We can, if you will, be neighborly hedgehogs and begin with a neighborly end in mind. And remember this, that when Jesus comes again, everyone, I mean everyone, will be our neighbor, like it or not. So in this Maranatha time, we might as well get started. Jesus has come. Jesus will come again. And in the meantime, I invite us all to remember to anticipate what happens when it is all said and done. All will be right. That we celebrate all that is good and right and a blessing in the midst of all that is awry. And there is so much to celebrate. And finally, that in addition to anticipating and celebrating, that we will elevate our lives in ways in which Jesus calls us to be putting love and being neighborly at the top of the list. And when we do these three things, 
however challenging at times, I believe that you and I will discover much about what God intends our lives to be in this in-between Maranatha time. 